Me and wifey in the room thinking of a master plan Thinking how we can influence the culture from where we stand Knowing that our steps are ordered by the master's hand Still ten toes down, we ain't switching up the steps And welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest edition of The Bond Chronicles I am your host, Mr. Bond Chronicles And what? What? We're already starting? <laughs> Go ahead uh, And I'm here with my host, Mrs. Bond Chronicles Oh, okay. You you go ahead. <laughs> you go right ahead. I'm not sure what's going on. No, you normally let me introduce myself. I know, but I was just trying to get through. You know, you said go ahead and do your thing. You, so you I'm going to do it, it. All right. You got it. Um, well, we, as you can see, we have a live edition uh, here this evening. And what? Nothing. I'm just you had this look at you. All right. I saw you at the corner of my eye. I thought you were looking at me. <laughs> Um, so we wanted to do something a little different, get back to the live. We've been doing some recorded stuff and personally, I like to do live things because you never know what you're going to get. We don't really edit, but just in case we needed to, we can't. So, uh, thank you all for joining us, um, here on today's live. If you can go ahead and shout us out, uh, there in the comments so we can see who you are. Uh, but we're going to get into some great stuff, but before we do that, I did want to give you the opportunity to say whatever you want, and then we can go into it. I mean, I don't have anything to say. Just hey to the people. Um, just happy to be here with you, you know, doing what we do. <laughs> All right. Um, so if you can't tell, I'm a little amped up. And part of that is because... He won a Twitter argument. I did win a Twitter argument. Um, and it was really validating because all day Sunday, my lovely wife um, continued to share how, I believe, annoyed she was that I was constantly <laughs> on Twitter. And the reason I was on Twitter is because Lotto or Big Lotto, I'm not sure what name she goes by now, but it's less controversial than her last name. And she made a statement, and I think it was a valid statement, let me be clear, And in her interview uh, on, I think it was Big Boy Show, that she was trying to finish her album, and she wanted a feature for her album. Mm -hmm. The feature for her album, she reached out to a Male rapper, I believe she clarified it was a male rapper. Um, it was not 21 Savage. And he wanted to, and I'm going to use her words. So again, uh, this isn't me. This is her. Drop his nuts on her. That's what she said? That's what she That's said. What she said that he said. Yeah, that he said to her. Okay. Um, And I believe that to be, and from what I can understand and gathered, it was he wanted to sleep with her. So obviously the internet was in an outrage because, oh my God, God forbid a man would say that to a woman who wanted a feature uh, or that she wanted a feature from him. So I get that. Definitely understand it. However, my issue was in the world in which we live in, and that's the reason this is the title is Guilty Until Proven Innocent. In that scenario, people immediately began to want the track list. And why did they want the track list? They wanted to know which of the rappers said this really alarming statement to the beautiful woman. Correct. So my concern was that now all of these male rappers were going to be grouped into who done it. And I felt if she was going to go public, I felt she had a responsibility to name the dude. You don't need to protect said dude. Like if he's a jerk, he's a jerk. The other part to me that was really confusing, and she went on to explain it, but I think this was this part I think was kind of BS was she kept the feature. 
So she said, I liked the song so much that I just couldn't take the feature off. I didn't have enough time to write a second verse. Now, for perspective, the album is still not out. It comes out on Friday. She did this interview last week. So you mean to tell me from then until, and I know you got to get it in early. I get it. There was no time to potentially re-record a second verse? No. 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 Well, I guess depending on when the album actually was finished, technically there's been time. But depending on like her contractual obligations and all the other moving pieces in which go into making an album, there may not have actually been enough time for her to get it out and, you know, so that it still sounds cohesive with the rest of the project. Great. So here I... Yes, you don't agree. (laughs) So I have a retort to that. Every album, Little Dirk included, puts out a deluxe version Mm -hmm. of their album. Ye is currently tweaking his album as we speak. That album's never going to be done. That's not what's important here. What's important here is you could, in a week... Add the second verse. Put out the song, the the song in question. We don't know what song it is. Put out song without the feature and put out the song without a second verse. Then, in a week, after you've had time to record, boom, you come out with the deluxe with the additional verse. No one knows who the guy is. If that's the concern, because I got a bunch of feedback of, well, if you name him, blah, 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 then she's going to face blacklash and being blackballed. This is 2022. That doesn't happen anymore. When you're that big of a star, when you got your first single was with 21 Savage, you likely have a Dirk or all these features that you have and you're talking about trying to get a Cardi feature, you got support. Mm -hmm. You're not getting canceled for naming someone who did something flagrant. Right. So why you couldn't do that, that's on that rapper. And that was my argument the whole time. If that rapper felt that that was the best course of action in jest or not, That's on them. They have to deal with the outcome of what they did. And so if it made a woman uncomfortable, do better, rapper. But now my issue was a bunch of people would have potentially been catching strays. So I took it a step further. I also said, and this is where a lot of the criticism came, I felt it was a nasty way and timing to do it. You are promoting an album. And so we've seen people do crazy things for album rollout. Right. I felt one, you should have named the dude, and two, I would have wanted to see proof because we've seen a bunch of people lying on men. So I thought that made perfect sense. So what kind of proof did you want to see? The DM. It's How simple. Do you know it was a DM. She said it did. Oh, okay. I have not listened to the interview like you because you've been talking about it like all weekend. Yes. Um, and you know, going back and forth with people on Twitter all weekend, so I have not taken the time or opportunity to really look at any of this situation, mostly because I don't care. Fair I'm enough. not a lotto fan, me, um, well, no, me either, actually. And I don't really care about the song in question. I, I guess I do care that the statement was made. Um, but again, it's not surprising. I'm sure people have said worse things or done worse things in order to get a feature or whatever on an album. 
Um, I guess like from your standpoint, I would agree. Don't no, because if you put out there who said it, why they said it, whatever the case may be, then it's like, do other rappers want to work with you? Because whatever goes on between us, whatever, you know, if we have any kind of beef or whatever, the first thing you're going to do is talk about it to the public. And some stuff you don't necessarily have to talk about. So I can't see how it would be people would be less likely to work with her given that stance that she took. Mm. But so, I don't disagree with her feeling a way about somebody asking for sex or a future. So that brings me to my other point. That is very valid. So why say anything at all? Unless I mean I think a lot of it's just for the rollout. Unless it's for the rollout. Yeah. And so what I happened to see and what gave me my checkmate in this is late last night, she tweeted, hey, if you go like my last post and you get it to 20,000 comments, I'll drop the track list, which told me everything that I needed to know, that this was simply about providing hype for the album. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but the point in her bringing it up wasn't to out anyone. Her bringing it up was not to raise awareness. She got the 20,000 comments that she wanted on that post, and she didn't have close to that anywhere else. And on any of her other comments, there was like 3,000, max 6,000. So it worked. I think that's nasty. And I think she is talented enough as an artist to not have to go there. So needless to say, I went back and I messaged and all the other people that was coming for me. I tried to get as many of them as I could, and I took screenshots of her post, and I took screenshots of Lotto tracklist trending on Twitter and all the people's comments who said, go ahead and put the tracklist out. We're waiting for the tracklist. We need the tracklist because we're going to find that guy, and we're going to let him have it. And now it's come out that it's Kodak. That was the one. No one really knows that, but now his name's associated with it. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But now him, his family, and his friends potentially are catching strays because of something you did to promote your album. I didn't like it, and you proved me to be right within a day. So that's my soliloquy for the start of the show, and that is why this is guilty until proven innocent, because we got to do better. Anything else? Nope. Perfect. <laughs> um, so with that being said, I do have, like, I do think it's a real question. Like, that was, a lot of that was in jest. I never take Twitter seriously. Like people call me all kind of names, custom doing a whole bunch of carrying on, especially when they realize they've lost, uh, which is really the funny part. But we are seeing it, and we talked about it on our last episode specifically with rape. Um, but in general, we've seen it with police and how they choose the police where they are judged during executioner too often for people of color. We see it in pop culture. We see it in social media um, where because allegations come out or because one single report comes out, we run with that. And whoever is at the, the backside or the, the negative side of that, they catch heat. They lose endorsements. They lose movie roles. They lose album support like there's all kinds of things that people go through and deal with i will even say at my job i have been in situations where hrs had to get involved in the way in which they treated me 
and how they went about their investigation and the way in the conversations that we've had were very, we know you did it. We just got to get the stuff to prove it. Not, well, we think you're innocent, but we're just going to follow the facts. And if it comes out that you are, then we'll deal with it. No, it's not that way. And so my question for you is, why do you believe that is the case? Or how did we get to this place where more often than not, people will believe the quote unquote victim versus the offender when little to no facts are known? Um, and you're talking about just in regular people. This has nothing to do with like actual law. Uh, sure. I don't know what you mean by regular people, but yes. Yeah, so like me and you. Yeah, but it, this happens in celebrity life too. No, I mean, but we're regular people and all of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think it's necessarily that people are quick to say everyone's guilty nowadays. I think the problem now is that everyone's everyone's entitled to an opinion. And regardless of whether your opinion is on the right or wrong side, everybody is forming an opinion as news breaks, as information gets released. So nobody's waiting for the full story. Nobody's waiting for all the details to come out before they form an opinion really about anything anymore. Um, We've seen that, like you said, in our last episode when we were talking about rape and, you know, specifically like Deshaun Jackson. Like, Watson. Well, right. Deshaun Watson. Don't put that on him. <laughs> My bad. Um, all these people formed all these opinions about that man. Um, what's 22 women. Mm-hmm. Um, and only six of them were even a part of the criminal case. Nine. Nine. I thought it was six. No, nine didn't get it done. Oh, okay. So nine. Even worse. There were nine women accusing this man of all these crazy things, and none of them came back to be able to even be, you know, for him to go forward with the trial. But in that time, he's missed a year of football. Like his name, his everything about him has been drugged through the mud by TV pundits, podcasters. And the court of public opinion, and now you know he's coming out on the other side of that. He just signed a huge contract. But even today, when we were watching Skip and Shannon, there was someone who I don't know the woman who wrote this letter, or mm, yeah. you know had something to say. The yeah. article, basically, because he's a football player, because he's you know these things, he doesn't even deserve the benefit of the doubt that he didn't do everything that they said that he did. And obviously she doesn't know what any of the evidence was or what the situation was against him, but she's ready to just uh, continue to attack him, even though at this point he's been found almost innocent. So I I think it's just because there's so much information, but there's also a lot of information that people don't get. It's always out there and people are just ready to have their viral moment. So I, I do agree uh, with your premise there that it is information information out there. A lot of times we and others are reacting in real time. I guess I would want there to be more, more or less, uh, less bias in the reporting. And I follow a lot of different social media stuff, whether it's the Tori and Meg story, which has drastically shifted in the last year and a half. 
um, whether it's Chris Brown cases that have drastically shifted or completely ended, uh, and other celebrities and entertainers where stories and things come out. Um, Shaq had, was it Shaq? Sh yeah, Shaq had one. No, Snoop, I'm sorry. Snoop had one come out recently, and that's just kind of gone away. Mm. But immediately these people jump on these things. And I specifically want to focus on Chris Brown because one, he's from VA and we always support those of us in Virginia stand up uh, for Virginia. The other part to me is one of the responses that I got when I was going kind of back and forth with some of the people were, well, Chris Brown is relevant. You can't use him because he had a case where the, the chick lied, said he raped her, didn't happen. She had all this evidence he had to prove, disprove it. Her response was, well, you can't use Chris Brown because of his history. And so my question is, if you do time for your crime, if you pay a penalty for your crime, can you ever outlive what you did? Um, I think if you're not continually making the same mistake, then sure. Because... Like, I love Chris Brown, I'm Team Breezy 1000%. The issue for Chris Brown is after the whole Rihanna thing, there were situations that he was in that did not reflect great for him. And, you know, once he did get to a point where he had moved past that and, you know, wanted to, had evolved as a person, people were still remembering all the other stuff. So, now he's in a situation, well, now he gets into situations where people accuse him of stuff, but because of the repeated history of bad behavior, it's harder for people to give him a break. Like, I think that he deserves one. I think that, again, you should wait till you hear all the facts before you start attacking someone. But for him, it, it you know, it's kind of a catch-22. But in general, I think... Again, I'll say again, if you don't keep making the same mistakes, you can't, you're supposed to, you know, move on from them. The problem is other people can't. Right. And I think even like now, like when you think about, like, because we've had several conversations about how we were as kids and young adults and, you know, thank God for grace and growth <laughs> that we're not those people anymore, but we also know people who only remember us as the people that we were. And so it's easier for people to hold on to a negative opinion of you or a negative, hold you in a negative light. One, especially if you're doing better than them. Mm -hmm. And two, because unfortunately, a lot of people don't like to see the growth in others. So. So I, and I, again, I definitely agree with that aspect. I would go as far as to say in a situation where you did something wrong, like you were legit wrong. Mm -hmm. How do you outlive that? Because I look at someone like Kobe, who was wrong. I would argue for a lot of people, he never outlived that. Michael Vick, wrong to this day, cannot outlive what he has done. Yeah. There are a bunch of other people in situations that you can look at that paid their pen, maybe overpaid, I believe, in Michael Vick's case. And still to this day, he's going to have to live that down. Deshaun Watson, even though there, it wasn't even enough evidence to go to trial, they talked about it all day. He's going to hear it yeah, every city he life. goes. So my point is, 
what is even the point of you going to jail or paying these massive fines if people get to remind you of whatever that failure was for the rest of your life? Because well, isn't the point of punishment to punish someone for the crime? And when it's over, it's over. Oh, well, I mean, I agree. And I mean, again, people just hold on to stuff, especially if they're like highly offended by what you did or what you did hurt a lot of people. Okay. So I don't know what to say. Okay. I just. You, because you should, again, you should be able to. I don't know. Um, move on, like you said, move on from a bad decision, a mistake, all of that. But again, I think a lot of it has to do with you as a person, your character, and what you display after the fact. Now, obviously, you know, depending on the mistake or the decision or whatever, do you do you need to show contrition for I agree. it? Um, but being a spiritual person, one, if you know God forgives you, then at the end of the day, nobody else's opinion matters. But especially when you're talking about entertainers and athletes and what have you, they have, you know, they kind of have to toe the line a little bit more so that people can feel like it's a genuine apology. It's a genuine, I'm sorry for what I did. Right. If I you're accused of rape or whatever. This is just an example. You're accused of rape. You get off of the charge for whatever reason. And then two weeks later or two days later, you're at a strip club manhandling women throwing dollars all around. I don't know how people will feel about you necessarily being sorry. Why am I sorry? I'm innocent. Yeah. So I should be able to go to the strip club and throw the dollars. Yeah, but it looks away. But that to me is an issue. I was innocent. I didn't do what y'all said I did. I should then be able to live my life freely. That should that should never exist almost because I was innocent. But when it, depending on the situation, now, I do it, think it still it looks away. You just got accused of rape or whatever, you know, I mean, a sexual assault or something. Okay. And now you're in an environment where you could potentially be accused of wrongdoing again. You're setting yourself up for failure again. And it's like, and then the time period in between which you were originally accused versus your new behavior that is not super becoming given where you've come from, it it looks a weapon. And Again, like I don't necessarily agree <laughs> that you have to like live in this bubble until you feel like people have truly forgiven you and you're you can move on with your life. But as a celebrity, as a person of interest, you almost have to do that. Gotcha. Okay, that's fine. Another celebrity um, recently came out and kind of along the same lines of can you ever outlive your bad decision? Um, Kelly Rowland, uh, I forget what show or interview she was on. She shared that she had reconnected with her dad after 30 years. Mm. And I've seen this story a lot more so on the men's side because of sports. And unfortunately, a lot of professional athletes 
uh, that grow up, uh, grow up potentially without a father. Um, and then for whatever reason, later in life, dad, or in some cases, moms try to come back around. And so then I believe the onus is really put on the child in that case to choose whether or not they should forgive or how to move forward. Um, so I guess my question for you is oftentimes we hear it as a heartfelt redemption story, but I'd be feeling away, especially when the kid turned out to be really successful yeah. financially or is healthy and the parent isn't. So my question for you is, what are your thoughts in this case? Is this a redemption moment as a spiritual person, as a natural person? Like, how do you feel about parents popping up at seemingly convenient times? Now, I read the notes, like I could, but I kind of like skimmed through them real quick, and so I think I completely missed this in the notes. <laughs> I thought um, this is exactly why you said you really wanted to do a live. No, it's not. <laughs> Um, for me, I'm just going to be completely honest and, you know, um, open. Like, this is a soft button of, of, of hard topic for me because, like, I went, I went through that. Um, and so I might be a little bit biased in my answer. Uh, I think everybody deserves to be forgiven for especially when you're younger and you, you know, make mistakes, you have kids as a, a young person, you don't necessarily know how to take care of kid. Uh, you know, I, I totally understand the scenarios. Um, I personally don't excuse anyone for being an absent parent. There's never a reason. There's never an excuse. There's never a scenario in which it makes sense to me. Um, personally, I feel like people who neglect their kids, who openly choose to not have relationships with their kids are trash individuals. Um, having said all that, <laughs> I also, obviously, you know, I went through the situation with my own dad. You know, I went the last time I saw him before he passed, I was like in high school. And he made all these promises about how he'd be come around and all this stuff. And then I never saw him again. Um, and then he got my contact information from my sister. And like he tried to initiate a relationship. And part of me really wanted to. Like, you know, just let the past go. Let bygones be bygones and move forward. But the part of me that was a grown-up and who was still angry with the decisions that he made, I needed an apology. I needed, I needed to understand why you had relationships with all these other kids that you made, but you didn't have a relationship with me. Um, and I never got that. And for me, the hesitation of trying to move past the past, I couldn't do that because there was never any real resolution to the past. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you want to be besties now. And I'm not even sure I like your personality. And obviously, you you know how that situation ended. My dad was sick. Um, and I finally was just like, well, 
I don't want him to pass away without me at least getting what I had to say off my chest. We went on vacation. We came back from vacation. And right when I was going to go see him, he passed away. Um, so I don't think I ever had gotten the closure that I think I needed from the situation. But part of me, again, like I said, part of me is just like, I grew up without him. So him passing away, obviously I felt a way about it, but I, I didn't feel the same way that my siblings felt mm -hmm. because we didn't have that relationship. And all of those situations, they're so different for various reasons. But generally speaking, I think most people feel the way I feel. So, I don't really feel that way. Um, <laughs> and and here's, here's my reason why. Like, I think, and one of the... I keep referring back to this Twitter fight I had because I talked to a lot of people in this Twitter fight. Mm -hmm. But in the Twitter fight, one of the things was, uh, and I don't even remember how this person got to this point because people started saying crazy stuff, was children need their moms more than they need their dads. And what? I obviously took, I don't want to say I took offense to that, but I vehemently disagreed. Yeah. And so for me in my life, like I was raised mostly by my mom for the majority of my young adult to adult life. And me and my dad didn't have a bad relationship. We just didn't really have a relationship. But my response to that was as I got older in life and as I figured stuff out and I made a bunch of mistakes, once I got to a place where I was good and I didn't need any kind of support of any kind from anybody i was very unreceptive to any kind of feedback that might have come from that individual because when i needed you the most of my life you wasn't there and so now that i've made it and i'm not nearly as successful as a kelly Rowland or shack or any of these other you know super rich successful people whose parents come around later mm -hmm. i'm not them but i wouldn't have nothing for them for me personally uh, I think it's convenient. I don't care. It took you 30 years to get your life together. That ain't my problem. That's not on me. That's on you. Now, if you want a relationship, I might be willing to have a discussion with you if it fits my schedule, if I have the freedom and time and luxury to do that, but I'm not going out of my way to do anything to facilitate any kind of relationship. And so I have a question. Mm -hmm. You know, don't. So as a believer, how does that attitude work? Because one, above all things, honor thy mother and father. Mm -hmm. And two, as a believer, you're supposed to love and foster relationships with people. So those two things going together, how does that work? So for me... And if there's Christian people watching, <laughs> feel free to comment. I don't see that as a lack of honor that I wouldn't, if I'm rich, buy you a house, buy you a car, um, fix whatever your situation is because I have an exorbitant amount of excess. Uh, like I said, I'd no, be open even, to. But not, again, like not, it's not even like a material thing, the relationship portion. Like, because they're cutting me in. In higher situations where people are 
you know, wealthy, obviously a lot of times they're coming for a handout. But for regular people, I me and you. But that's my that's that's my point. So if you want to call me, I'm gonna pick up the phone. I'm not gonna be sending you to ignore or anything like that unless we're at the and that's after we come to a place of some kind of normalcy. Mm -hmm. Once we get over the why were you a trash parent as an individual? Once we have that, I would always extend somebody that grace to explain themselves. And I have had conversations with people in my life and different family members about why I felt they were poor examples of family. And at that point, you have an opportunity to improve upon your family ship, I guess, so to speak. The dynamic of the relationship. Right. The dynamic of the relationship. If you continue to not improve it, I'm not going to chase you. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to text you. We don't need to do the happy birthday thing. We don't need to do the Merry Christmas thing. We don't need to do the happy Thanksgiving thing. We cool. Yeah. So that protects my peace. And if I'm unpeaceful, then you might not be peaceful. And then if you're not peaceful, our kids might not be peaceful. Yeah, yeah. And so now we've allowed this outside source to dictate the entire uh, function, function of, our of our household and, our, and potentially ruin a holiday. Because I was looking for that call and I never got it. Mm. Or I invited them to this event and function that was important and they didn't show. Like that to me, it's easier for me to just say done. And if they make a bunch of efforts and they keep showing up and they keep calling and they keep doing stuff. Okay. That's different. Yeah. But as far as me going to meet them, as far as me offering a hand or saying, Hey, you coming? Hey, nah, we're not doing that. And so for me, I think it becomes the, the same way you walked out and left. I need that same amount of more energy to try and get back in. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Like Sharice's comment, I think you had it up a second ago, feed them from a long-handed spoon. Like, I completely agree. Like, that's that's how I was with my dad. Like, you, we've been around this race before. You made a bunch of promises. You said a bunch of stuff. I got my hopes up and then you sucked. And so, like I said, when he did start trying to open the line of communication back up as an adult, like one, I was definitely at a point. I was just like, I don't even understand what you're doing at this point. Like I'm grown, grown, I'm married. I have kids I, you know, I've lived life. And because I have kids now, like I can't even fathom the decision that you made. And so, and, then, and I was never trying to be mean but I was keeping a level of distance between us because should, you know, something happen and then he fall off the face of the earth again, I wasn't trying to set myself up for that type of emotional distress. So, yeah, it's definitely the truth, Sharice. Mm. So, I, I, I like I said, I think we've, we're, we're good on that. Um and other historic news of things coming. Not historic news. This is historic news, <laughs> especially for us and our culture. Um, Maury and a shock. Povich, Maury, Povich. Maury Povich and a shock to me and many others is getting canceled after 30 seasons, which is basically my entire life. Uh, I didn't realize he was on TV that long. But ultimately, Maury didn't necessarily highlight the good points of black family dynamics. Uh, there was a girl I knew that actually went on the show 
and I learned a little bit more that it was more drama than maybe it wasn't always as a girl you know. Yeah. Who? I guess it's, I think yeah, it, it aired. Um, this girl named Amanda John Philippe. Right. Uh, she uh, I used to work with her when when I was a wee little lad. Um, a wee little lad. <laughs> yeah. And her and her boyfriend went on there. So obviously, this so was is, it real. So the situation she said it was a real situation. Now was some stuff drummed up. Yeah, yeah. but these paternity tests apparently look real. Well, yeah, I because I knew of some people. Like I knew someone indirectly who knew someone who went on there, and their whole thing was fake. Oh, yeah. No, her drum was real. Her drum was real. So I guess maybe they just pick and choose as long yeah. as you come on the show and are willing to embarrass yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So my take, my point is, and I've killed people like Tyler Perry and, and others, I believe, for capitalizing on the negative side of black culture. Was Maury good for black culture? <laughs> um, I'm not going to say he was good for black culture, but I don't think he was necessarily bad for black culture. One, because white people, Hispanic people, like people of all of all race and background, it was an equal opportunity for embarrassment on that show. Um, and I think, <laughs> said, heck no. Um, I don't think he was necessarily a bad, you know, good or bad. It's just kind of indifferent. One, because I don't think a lot of people took it seriously, especially the not necessarily even the paternity test shows like the Wild and Out Kids episode. Mm. Like a lot of those kids would be white, so <laughs> that's fair. So I don't think I ever, I ever really felt one way or another about Maury. Um, I, I, again, like I think it was just a level of personal embarrassment for people to get on there and. Run from the cameraman yeah. <laughs> and, and do all that crazy stuff. Um, I feel like Jerry Springer was probably worse than Maury was. I, I'm not gonna disagree. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think it's because everybody likes Maury too. Like he, he, he was just a really likable, fun guy. On just the way that he would host and the way he would try to comfort people after they found out that the person they said that their wholeness was validated. Yeah, that their wholeness was validated. I remember there was one series, like this girl, she had tested Jesus. And I, after like the third negative test, I wouldn't have gone back on the show. But I think she got like six or seven people tested for the same kid. Goodness and like Every episode she would come on, they would hold up all the faces of the guys. And I'm just like, girl, if you don't go and get this handled privately in the comfort of your own home and not embarrass yourself. But my favorite episodes were always the cheating episodes. When they would set the guy up in the back green room mm. with a sexy decoy. And it's just like, why do you think you're on this show, bro? Like, it's... It, you're not using no common sense, so you're not thinking that this really pretty girl is really that interested in you and she's just offering to serve you up? Like, bro, come on now. You'd be surprised what the male ego would do. Um, or believe, for that matter. 
Sharif um, says, I remember her. It was bad for us, but I watched it. Exactly. I don't think it was bad. No, it was bad. It was bad. Because then that birthed so many generations of loud, fatherless children. No, I mean, there are a lot of other things that I feel contribute to that stereotype and the reality Maury of was part of that. that. But I don't think necessarily Maury Povich was had people out here having kids just so... What do you think that white America thought of Maury Povich and what he did projected black people as? I mean, again, white people already thought what they thought of black right, folks. Right, but you don't want to reinforce it. Like the story you just told. Do you know how many other things were reinforcing that image outside you keep of Maury? Changing the and narrative. I'm simply saying this contributed also. Fine, we'll go with this also contributed. But there is a lot. I didn't of say other he things. was the sole reason. I said he was a part of it. Mm. Let's see what Tiana says. Tiana says, "I mean, if you call in and sign the waiver." And collect your little check to get on the show. Facts. You know what you're getting into. So they got paid. So that's a positive. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like I don't even think everybody, they didn't get paid a lot. Actually, no, they didn't. Like I know the person that I was thinking of. Like they got some diapers and a free trip to New York, basically, to film the show. That ain't bad. I mean, for us, we love some diapers and yeah, a free lying. trip to New York. You see the thing at the bottom? If you want to get some diapers. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, but to Sharice's point, and really a, a kind of a slightly more serious point, um, in I kind of we talked about parents and not being there, and even in some cases where, like for me, my mom was around, like we lived together, but she had to work a ton. Mm -hmm. So when a lot of people view, and I'm not going to put this on my generation, this is the generation after me, <laughs> um, the generation after us has been considered smart, but weak. And oftentimes lacking in maturity in, I would say specifically in relation to, how do I, I don't wanna, I was use like hip hop culture. Like hip hop culture. Kids today in hip hop or in low income areas have little to no regard for life. Mm. I watch videos, yeah, not on a regular basis because it's a lot. But I watch, and again, black on black crime is not real because people in proximity to each other kill each other. But I see some stuff, yeah, going on. I seen a dude on the metro put poop in a woman's face. I've seen people get beat down, shot and killed, just in cold blood over the dumbest stuff. We just learned about young thugs' baby mom, yeah, who had two kids and she was murdered after somebody waited outside of a bowling alley. Bowling alley. For a, over over an argument over a bowling ball. Now maybe more you know reports will come out, but that's the initial story. And Some, no matter how you look at that, it's two just, kids lost no their sense. mom, and a relatively you would I would imagine financially she would have been okay. Two kids by Young Thug. Young Thug got long money. Mm -hmm. She lost her life over a bowling ball, and so my question is: Do you think that the lack of two parent households and even in single family households where a mother or father has to work two and three jobs and kids are having to raise themselves, is that a big con contribution to this new culture where life is valued less? Or why? how did we get to this place where 
One, people can be so overtly rude. And trust me, if you don't believe me, get in the chat room, go on Twitter, <laughs> or go on it. Democrats or Republicans, you go on any side and you get into the Reddit, people are nuts. And they don't value what they say to you. And they don't value taking your life over something very dumb. And I don't feel like it was like that when we grew up. And I definitely don't feel like it was to that extent in the generation before us. And it seems to be getting progressively worse. My question to you is, why do you think that is? Shaw, I have no idea. Um, I watched, I had to stop watching a lot of this stuff on like Instagram. I used to follow like a news page and it, it really only showed senseless shootings like and all these crimes on you know black people black women it it just started to get to be too much um i'm not really sure what has especially young young people to the point where the, they just don't care about other people's lives and you see it or so their lives yeah or their lives you see it so much now one i I don't want to say it, but I think it's the drug use that a lot of them, you know, a lot of young people partake in now. I remember the whole, what is it, the lean, that yep. stuff? It's still a thing. And, and it, yeah, it's still a thing. The lean. <laughs> I Boy, sound I so it. old. Um, like, the, I think a huge contributing factor is the drug use. I think, you know, back when we were younger, you know, most people just smoked weed. Like, that was the hardest drug most of the people that I knew yeah. were doing. Some people did pills, but it was like pain prescription pills. Right. But now, like, kids, they do all kinds of drugs. And that's messing with your head, period. Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody says. That's 100% messing with the way that you evaluate things, the way that you look at life. Like, you're messed up. Um but then I also just think that, especially obviously in inner cities, we are experiencing a really great growth in the Black community. There are a lot of us that are college educated. There are a lot of us who are coming from two-parent households, go Black love, melanin, all that good stuff. But the inner cities and you know major cities and middle America, they still really, really suck. And the wealth gap has gotten so crazy that people are out here doing whatever they have to do to survive. And you watch your environment and you see what's going on around you. And it's like, I don't want to end up like old dude from down the street who got shot in the head just not paying attention. So I'm going to get somebody before they get me. I mean, you've seen that with the death of a lot of the rappers from King Von to Pop Smoke and so Young Dolph, like so many people. It's just it's just crazy to really, when you sit down and look at what people are going through and what their reaction is. Uh, I agree with with a lot of that. I think you, you referenced a, a couple um, rappers in there. And I think the other part is, and when I say the maturity, and Lil Dirk talks about this a, a decent amount on his album, is what are you willing to lose? If you've made it and they hit you or your crew, can you afford to respond? And I think 
the perception of most people in these in environments are, yeah, what am I? What do I have to lose? They're not. There's no fear of prison. I remember back when Maury was popping, we had like scared straight, and they would mm. send you to jail, and it was a, a terror. Now most kids either have grown up in group homes or been in and out of juvie at such a young age, or they they believe that they're protected on the inside. That what difference does it make? Like. At, at worst, I'll go to jail, or if I die, I die. And I do believe a lot of that starts at home where there's something missing. And obviously, I'm trying to do my best to cultivate that here, that they don't have to feel like the streets is where they will find the love and you know nurturing that they need. Um, obviously, that I think there's also when parents are not around, there's a lack of discipline. And if Sharice, if you're still in here, I'm sure you can speak to the lack of discipline and kids in school. Mm, um, yeah. I have seen some things and when I'm, whether we're out at the store or even some of the, you know, little things you might hear, like Courtney C. Tried to send some home. She came home upset because the whole class was wow. They couldn't even learn for the day. Like, how does the whole, the whole class just get to a point where the teachers is like, you know what? We're just Young not going to silent work all, all day. day. Just don't say nothing. Don't raise your hands because the answer is no. But to, to that point, it's just like, what are kids doing? They're watching TV. It's not. They're, just TV. they're on social media. They're on Snapchat. I think a they're, lot of it is social media. They're in Fortnite, as big as it is, Kanye. is a game about killing. Yes. Call yes. of Duty. I played it. I loved it. It's a game about killing. And I don't want to put this all on one particular thing. But if you listen to certain genres of music, which it exists in. I think the mayor of New York's a clown for trying to go at drill music, but drill music does, you know, advertise and glorify a certain lifestyle. And then you co you couple that with video games, and then you couple that with TV shows, and then you couple that with maybe what you see in your real life, right? Outside influence, but and then you never get to offset that or balance that in any way. Like you said, you had to turn it off. Some people don't get to turn it off, right? So because they live in it, they live in it. I can't tell you friends and family members that have stepped over a many a dead body by the time they were a teenager. Like that does something to you. We were talking to some friends last night and it was on, it wasn't about violence, but the impact of their kids seeing them do certain things. And now if they see it again on TV or somewhere else, how does that trigger their brain? And so if you're being raised by your older sister, like she gonna do what she can and y'all gonna see each other and the shy talks about shows you how the two different they both hide and stuff but they both in cahoots like it's just a mess i don't disagree like i said it's so many different things that factor into everything that kids see now um i was gonna say people are killing kanye about not wanting his kids on social media personally I agree with them. I don't, and I don't agree with the whole lot of stuff that he be saying. But on that particular point, I 100% agree. Like they spend so much time on devices, and we can say that we're monitoring what they're doing, and there's all this parental oversight and all these controls and all this stuff that's supposed to filter stuff out. It doesn't work. One, because kids are smarter than that crap. Like we had Courtney originally on like the kids YouTube, but it's like you click one video 
that's kind of related to what it was you were watching originally. And then six videos uh, from that, it's a whole different ballgame because for whatever reason, YouTube's algorithm says that it's all related. And it's you can't filter everything out. So my solution, just don't be on there yeah. um, until they're at an age where they can understand this is appropriate and this isn't appropriate. And then you can, you know, obviously groom and take your, you know, lead from that. But it's just so much that kids get into these days and it's all having an impact. And so I'll kind of wrap with this. Um, We recently went, and I'm only going to speak on this one city, but I believe it happens in more than one city Uh, or I think it happens in most cities, but we went to Richmond, Virginia. Um, wherever you're watching Richmond, Virginia. And we were riding around and we went to certain areas like downtown. You see near VCU, it's nice. It's modern. It's pretty cool. Um, and then you kind of went and we got off the one exit and went downtown. And it was pretty, it was, you know, relatively well lit. They had like the cobblestone streets and stuff. And then we we typically, when we go out, do our best to shop black. Like we're, that's important for us. So we had looked up a couple different uh, black restaurants because I don't go to Richmond often. I don't think it's the greatest city in the world. Um, I think it's typically pretty trash. And I wasn't completely wrong based on our recent visit, but I digress. But to me, what became an eye-opening but troubling was we found this restaurant um, called Pig and Brew. Shout out to them. Hopefully we can speak with the, the owner that we spoke with them there and hopefully we'll be able to get them on. Really, really dope restaurant. Um but while we were heading there, we happened to see like three different black restaurants that were all on this directory that we were looking at. And what became painfully obvious to me as I looked around the different buildings that were no longer very well lit um, and the streets that were not as clean and in an environment that, you know, didn't look and appeal as much as the downtown area was all the black business, all the at least these majority of black businesses and some of them really popular. We're all in what I would believe to be the lower end. And so when we left the restaurant, we went up the street, maybe um, maybe a mile. We made a right. And surely, short, very shortly after, you could see a bridge. And across that bridge was all the lights of what downtown was. And so for me, it was really, it's actually pretty infuriating. And we talked about how to fix that and whether it's, the contract is there, but then if you come in and you have people buy up the land, they got to recoup their money. So you don't want them raising the rent because that's gentrification and then it drives out people. But it was just really disappointing to, to see that. Um, and I have a follow up question, but I'll kind of leave it there for you. I mean, and I talk about this all the time, like working at a real estate office. Um, I see it. I, I saw it. Um how the neighborhoods turn or everybody starts, you get a tip that, oh, well, they're building a, a Whole Foods. They're building a Trader Joe's. This is coming to this neighborhood. And these stores, these businesses start to make the neighborhood look more attractive. And, you know, slowly but surely, other people move in besides Black folks. Mm-hmm. And then you just see slowly but surely how the neighborhood completely turns all the black businesses that were once there gone and they're been taken over by, you know, big chain stores. 
Um, I saw, I mean, you go into certain parts of DC now, it's like, I don't even recognize this anymore. Yeah. But there was the argument, I think it was it last year, um, on the, the intersection of Florida and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I, I knew it when I saw it on the news, like there's a, like a mobile phone record store and it's like an everything store, but they have speakers that they put out like first thing mm. in the morning have go-go music playing. That street does not look like what it used to look like. And the new neighbors were not feeling the go-go music and they wanted to get it shut down. And it's like, it caused this uproar one rightfully so, because it's like, Y'all moved into our neighborhood. Right. Y'all moved into our space that we've lived here for as long as this place hasn't been safe. It wasn't cool to live down here. And now you want to come here and change the culture. That's not cool. I've always, gentrification I mean, obviously has its benefits because it brings money into a neighborhood that really needs it. But the unfortunate part about it is once that money does come in, the people that made the neighborhood the neighborhood, oftentimes they don't get the benefits because they can't afford to stay there and nothing is continued to cater to them. And like I said, you know, my solution, what my thought process is, I wish there were more black development companies, developers who come into these neighborhoods and they buy up these, you know, dilapidated buildings, they fix everything up. And they re-rent to the black businesses that are already there. They, you know, the same way that you think about investing and doing all these things and moving a new element in, that attitude needs to be had with our own culture. But for some reason, we don't see that translate well when we're looking at people and how they invest their money in their communities. So part of that is, the people in the community, but that lends me to my last question. So one, you got to have black developers with enough money to go through enough of the hoops, because we also know that working with the county and our church went through this can be very difficult depending on what you look like. Um, Wells Fargo just had uh, a report. I think it's on my Instagram story about, how they disproportionately didn't give mortgages to minorities or mm-hmm. African-Americans, I think was specific. Like we've had situations where getting a business loan, your interest rate's significantly higher if you're a person of color versus a white person. Mm-hmm. So yes, a developer, a black developer would need to come in because I think they would have a better heart. But that black developer, if they don't have the cash, which is really difficult to get to that place, is going to have to take a higher interest loan, which means to make their money back, they got to raise the prices right? Um, or the rent on the people to justify the situation, offset the, cost. offset the cost. But my bigger question is, would it be better to have a black bank in that environment that can give you a lower interest loan? that can allow you to use black developers that have black contractors and black tradesmen to build up that environment and create a segregated society? Or do you feel like black people need to continue to go to the Googles, the Amazons, the the Dells, the Apples and work their way up to be a position of power to a global organization 
or should we spend more time trying to focus and cultivate our own local environments and kind of say to ourselves? I think we should focus more on us. When you look back, you know, 40, 50 years, black neighborhoods, black businesses, everything was centralized in, in black areas. You went to a black doctor, you went to a black bank, you went to a black owned grocery store, your cleaners were black, like the black dollar circulated in the black community, period. But we were so busy and obviously segregation was bad. All that stuff was bad. We were so busy trying to get acceptance from everyone, trying to put ourselves in the same, you know, position as white people. We stopped utilizing each other, our own businesses. So a lot of a lot of that technically is our fault. We stopped supporting the mom and pop stores when the big store down the street comes in. The mom and pop store, they have to compete, but they don't have huge distribution chains helping them get the best products at a lower cost. So they have to raise their prices to try to stay open. There's so many and I think as a as being a business owner now and understanding, you know, supply and demand and ordering and all of like just everything that goes into producing a product for people to buy. It's, it's a lot. And if we supported more of our own businesses, we supported more and we kept the black dollar in the black community, we would be able to do so much more. We're less likely to be prejudiced towards each other. I go to a black bank, I see people that look like me. One, it makes me feel good. I'm not about to get Ryan Coogler. And then two, you understand the struggle that I go through the same way. I understand the struggle that you probably went through to even open this bank. Like, even when I think about me trying to do some of the stuff that I want to do in the hair industry, you wouldn't think that, you know, trying to start a hairline is as hard as it is considering black women are like 80% of the market, but they don't own, <laughs> you know, most of the market share in the products that we buy. And that's across the board. And Sharice asks a question. She says, is it a race or a class thing? And I think it's both. When you're poor, you don't have the money to invest and to learn all these things and to figure out how to circumvent the system. But then you also are looking at the people who look like you. And a lot of times they don't have the same resources. Like, I think it's, it, it goes both ways. It's not one or other. Oh, so we had the keep it super successful channel said that is true. The circulation and lifeline of our dollar probably only lasts a few hours versus other culture businesses can last a few weeks, even a month. And I, I agree. Uh, and it was cool because when we walked down the street, there was a couple of restaurants. I think there was a CBD shop. There was a barber shop on the corner. It was it was a nice modern barber shop. Mm -hmm. uh, the gentleman that ran the restaurant we talked about, I think he opened it in 2019, and it's still open, and it's still, still running. Open. It was super dope. And it, you got to think that started almost right as the pandemic was hitting. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I at this point I've come to really to your side to a certain extent. And people were allotting, and rightfully so, Tyler Perry getting his own studio. Because I think that could be massive. But then you got to have the people that get to that level that do the right thing. 
And Michael Jordan was one that got there and did not do the right thing. And he's since, I believe, divested out of all the private prisons he was in. You look at the LeBron Jameses, you look at, and I know people give him a lot of hate, uh, yay and everything that he's doing with bringing, you know, essence and vibe and Hollywood unlocked and everyone together to change the narrative of our future and our news cycle. And then putting people in different positions because eventually you got to disseminate to the masses. Um, you look at, in some cases, and I don't like all the businesses that he's done, but what Rock Nation did with title, at least the mindset and the ideology that artists need more. So sometimes you're not going to get it right when you're the first one in, but if someone can build off of that and take it to a next level, then I think that still factors in. Uh, so I do think we're starting to see more people. I've seen Kaepernick starting to work out a lot more. And if he could find his way back into the league. That's uh, not happening. I, I agree. <laughs> but if you had a yay who said he had interest in owning the Denver Broncos, mm. I think that's a very quick conversation. Yeah. I think if you have, and I'm just going to throw some names. At, if you had a, say you had an Oprah and Obama, a yay, a Jay, a Dr. Dre and um, Bob Johnson. Well, who's the guy that paid the HBCU scholarships? Oh, I don't um, remember his name. Dang, I can't remember him. Um, I know who you're talking about. Bob Allen. I think his name. I, think, I forget his name. I can try and look it up. But if you had maybe six or seven minority owners, black owners, not even minority. If you had six or seven black owners in the NFL, there's no doubt in my mind Colin Kaepernick has a job. But, but see, and that's the issue that we run into. How many times have we seen black billionaires literally – trying to get into these white organizations true. playing by their rules. So to Sharice's point, I think that's where it becomes a race issue because a, a rich black man is still a black man when he gets pulled over. Yes. And sometimes being a rich black man can get you pulled over because you're driving on an environment that maybe you shouldn't be in. Or just the car that you're in. Like... And, and it can cost you. So I think more of it is a racial issue. Yes. If you're a black person with money, you will get more privileges than a broke black person. And maybe in some cases, better privileges than a broke white person. But at Until, the end of the day, you're still black. But at the end of the day, you are still black. Yeah. Um, 100, but that's, I mean, not to continue in the circle, that's the issue that we're constantly running into. You get so high in, a, in any environment, any career path, and then it's just like, eh, this is as far as you're going to go now. Especially if you don't aligned to what they want you to exactly to. if you don't want to play by the rules then this is as far as you go which was to me was shocking when nick cannon got a tv show because he wasn't far removed from the viacom issue but since his shows got canceled and they say it's because of ratings i don't know if that's entirely the case but i think it's difficult if you don't play the game and that's why i was saying should, should we should we take all black tv shows and all put them on bet or revolt tv or should we keep trying to get on NBC? Should we keep having uh, Abbott Elementary on ABC and Blackish on NBC or something else on CBS where it's going to reach a mass broader audience, but maybe its shelf life is a lot shorter because it's not going to get the support that it would probably get on a black ne black network. And if it's great, which is I think what 50 is trying to do, advertisers come to you. I think we're seeing that with college sports. I'm the draw. So I can go to an HBCU and you got to come watch me play. You know how I feel about that. I feel like 
I would like to see all of our black athletes, instead of going to these Ivy League schools, instead of going to these schools where nobody else looks like you and you're a token, go to an HBCU. That's, I mean, Deion we'll, Sanders is we'll be great on the show for another hour and a half talking yeah. about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and actually I actually have a, another show to do here at nine. Um, completely different related, sports, sports related, but uh, definitely a good conversation. Maybe something we can pick up. Uh, I didn't like that. I tried to cram it in here at the end, but I think it. there's more that we could obviously expound on in a bunch of different avenues. And I think it caters and speaks to what we started this with is especially when you're a black person and you're accused Emmett Till by someone that doesn't look like you, it is even harder to be innocent until proven guilty. And too often we don't even get to trial. And even in case we get to trial, I keep seeing people all the time getting released from prison after 30 years and it was innocent the whole time. Yeah. Like that's just never going to be okay. Ridiculous to me. But um, thank you so much for everybody tuning in. Um, we'll do this again. Definitely like, share, and subscribe <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, turn those notifications on. We're almost at 100 subscribers, which is super dope. We're um, really excited, as you can tell, as we should be. Uh, considering a year ago, a little over a year ago, we started with, with zero nothing. subscribers. Yeah, um, so thank you again for everybody tuning in, Sharice. Uh, the Keep It Super Successful channel. Uh, Tiana, I saw here. you in there. Um, and there were some other people that maybe didn't comment. So thank you, thank you so much. Uh, you guys have a great evening. Remember, and life, I got to pull it up. I forgot. <laughs> you uh, say it every time. Every yeah. I don't even understand. It's almost like, remember, or you don't know, but I had to do the vision one time for our church when I was like applying for a job. And, you couldn't and I, as soon as I was, I just went blank. Mm -hmm. And then I said that vision a thousand times, but you say it every Sunday, every multiple times, usually. Um, but in life, things happen. You have the power to choose what you do, choose wisely. And when all else fails, always bet on you. As you can see at the bottom, to support this amazing podcast, we have a number of different ways of doing it. If you want to be a blessing to us, please do. And God bless you. Take care.